Matthew 14, Acts chapter 1 is our scripture this morning. We've been speaking on the theme, Come Get Your Fill. And we, we spoke a few weeks ago, we talked about how the Lord wants to bring a fullness of joy into our lives, and, and we talked about the fullness, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And as Pentecostals, and we're going to talk more about this a little bit in a few moments, but as Pentecostal people who believe in the experience of being baptized with the Holy Spirit upon receiving Christ as our Savior, the fullness of the Spirit, uh, the Lord instructs us to walk in that fullness. And one of the evidences, I believe, is not just the speaking of tongues, as beautiful as that is, but the evidence is that there's joy in our lives. And uh, Nehemiah said that God's joy would actually be your strength. Uh, he would actually change your life. And uh, so that's one of the characteristics of those of us who truly are walking with Jesus is there should be a joy. And then last week we spoke as well about the anointing and how important it is for us to understand that the Lord does not call us to do anything by way of serving him or making a difference in our world or trying to live for him, just doing that in our own strength, and our own understanding. But there is an anointing, there is an ability that's been given to us by him, available to us, and we need a fresh anointing on a regular basis. And so this morning we're going to continue along that theme, and I want to talk about come get your fill of the Holy Spirit, and I want to talk a bit about the baptism with the Holy Spirit, but I also want to talk about how the Lord invites us to step out of the natural and to be people who experience or expect the supernatural. It doesn't mean that everything goes our way, but it means that we're more attuned to God's way and what he wants to do, and we really begin to be surprised by the Spirit of God and the everyday workings of life and just the way Jesus shows up and just does some real neat things through our lives, and we get to be part of that. Isn't that exciting when your faith moves from just being a cerebral thing to where, yeah, we believe in God and the plan of salvation makes sense, to actually experiencing the touch of God in your life or the Lord touching somebody through you or dropping a word of truth or wisdom into their experience or giving them hope. I mean, that makes all the difference in the world. And uh, we can all go through seasons where we experience that, and there's a dry spell, and then it happens again. But the Lord wants to be more of a regular thing. And if it's not happening, then he wants to invite us simply to come and to be filled afresh and to, and to live and minister in that. Well, I'm halfway through my sermon already. Matthew 14, I just gave it away. So you say, well, you should close, but I can't. I get paid by the minute. Make a lot of money here at Glad Tidings. Uh, Matthew 14, just a portion of Scripture, verse 22 to 29, and then a couple of verses from Acts chapter 1. In Matthew, we read that immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go before him onto the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Then Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. And while staying with them, Jesus ordered them, that is the disciples, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Amen. Heavenly Father, once again, we just pray that you give us ears to hear what your Spirit is saying, and that you would stir a work in our hearts, O Lord, that would not be content with what we have, but, Lord, would desire greater intimacy, to fall more in love with you, and, Lord, to open our hearts to the fullness of all that you have for us and through us. In your name we pray. Amen. 
Amen. For those of us who are older enough to remember, back in 1999, Bruce Willis starred in a movie called The Sixth Sense. Uh, anybody remember that movie? In that movie, he played the part of Dr. Malcolm uh, Crow, who was a, 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 a famous child psychologist. And uh, he and his wife were out to a gala one evening. The movie begins. They get home from the gala. The gala they get into their house, and they discover there's an intruder in the house. And that intruder happens to be a man by the name of Vincent. And Vincent, when he was a young boy, was actually being treated by uh, Dr. Kroll for hallucinations. Well, Vincent is uh, disoriented and uh, whatever was wrong with him psychologically, he has a gun and he shoots the doctor in the abdomen and that's where the movie cuts out. Next scene, uh, Dr. Crow is back to work and he's actually working with a, uh, with a new child uh, whose name is Carl and Carl as well suffers from the same thing that Vincent had, he suffers from hallucinations. So it's kind of this whole movie about you know, redemption, about having a second chance to get it right with, uh, with this one. Actually, his name was Cole, sorry. Uh, you may remember, actually, the classic line in this movie was the little boy saying, say it with me, I see dead people. Now, I see them every Sunday. But, uh, <laughs> you know, he had this, uh, not everybody, not everybody, not everybody. Reminds me of the story, actually, the guy in church one day, they had, a man in church had a heart attack one day. And, uh, and so the EMTs came in and they carried nine people out before they found the right one. So I'm just saying, okay? So in any case, uh, so that's kind of what the movie is about. Uh, I've kind of lost you already. But what's really interesting with the movie is when you get to the end, you discover, and if you haven't seen it by now, it's too late, so spoiler alert. But when you get to the end of the movie, you discover that when the doctor was shot in the abdomen, he actually had died. He didn't realize it. So this whole time through the movie, uh, he was actually dead, talking to a child who sees dead people. And he's the dead person that he was talking to. So it's called the sixth sense. That always kind of piqued my attention because in Scripture, the Bible says back in Genesis 2 that when God created man and woman, that he breathed into them, or he breathed into Adam actually, and he became a living soul. That is, he had his five natural senses, his sight, his smell, his taste, his sound, you know, hearing and touch, the five natural senses, but he was alive, fully alive, not only physically, but spiritually, he was fully alive to God. And because he was fully alive to God, his sixth sense, that is his spirit, that is, ruled in his life. He, he literally, as scripture tells us to do, he walked in the spirit. He walked in alignment to the voice of God, the will of God, and all the other natural senses, which are good, but all those natural senses came into their proper alignment, their proper order, and he lived a life of fulfillment, both he and his lovely wife in the garden, until sin came along. And when sin did come along, what happened? The Bible says that God had warned them, if you sin, that is, if you rebel against me and go your own way, then you will die. And so they did. They partook of the forbidden fruit, which was simply a... a little temptation that was there to make sure their hearts were true, but they decided to go that way. They sinned, and they died, but not physically. Physically, they still lived, supposedly, for hundreds of years, but spiritually, they died. That part of them that was attuned to God, that brought everything else in order, had died. And so now, rather than their spirit man or their sixth sense actually being in tune with God and living in the order of God, their natural senses began to take over. And they began to be dominated by those natural senses, and everything was literally turned upside down. The Bible says in Ephesians 4 that just like us, they became darkened in their understanding, and they became alienated. What's interesting, the wording, they became alienated from the life of God. Not only broken fellowship with God, but they had no access to life, to true spiritual life, to be alive and attuned to God. 
Well, long story short, the reason Jesus came into this world was to reconnect us back to God. Jesus said that I've come to seek and to save those who are lost. I've come to bring you back to the Father. He said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom. You can't see God. You can neither either enter into the kingdom. You can't participate in spiritual things. And so you need to be born again. Your spirit man needs to come alive to God. And that's why Jesus came to restore that sixth sense through relationship with him so that we're no longer controlled by the natural senses but we're captivated by the spiritual senses by that sixth sense and i don't mean in some kind of novel way and that's where much of our culture is today you know people would come across saying that well you know that's kind of pie in the sky religious hocus pocus stuff but there's a deep yearning in the heart of every single man woman and child to connect spiritually because there's this sense that I'm made for much more than this. There's part of me that's just, it's just not getting, it's not fulfilled. And that's why there's such uh, incredible interest in all the mysticism and the, you know, the shows today, the mediums and all these different things. And that's why people are so easy to deceive. And that's why the people of God have to know the word. We are living in a day, my friends, if you're not careful, if you don't know the word of God, if you're not full of the Holy Spirit, if, you're not, if you don't know what it is to, to be able to discern the spirits of the age in which you live, you will be deceived. It'll be the first miracle, the first supernatural thing. You'll think, oh, they must be whatever. And anyway, that's, a, that's an aside. But that's the day we're living in. So we need to understand there is this supernatural realm available to us. That's why Paul writes in Ephesians 5, he says, For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. Don't just have it. Actually live as people of light. Walk in that light. Shine that light. Jesus said in John 15, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Elsewhere, Jesus said, you can't do anything without me. You can't do squat. That's an actual Greek word. Translate, you can't do squat without me. You really can't. And I don't know if we really understand that. We don't really get that. We kind of read really to go, yeah, I know, Jesus, that's cute. But I, I, I do okay. No, you don't get it. You can't do anything. Now, nothing you do matters. You're, you're missing the complete. You understand the realm of called you to live in. You see, when we worship the Lord this morning, for those who may be visiting Glad Tidings, we, we believe that we are able to enter in the realm of the Spirit and to worship the Lord in spirit and truth. We believe that. But you see, worship for us is not just some empty, ethereal experience. It's not just goosebumps. You see, as we've said many times here, worship is not an escape from reality. Worship is actually entering into reality. It's actually an entrance into what is real, what is true, and out of that realm, out of that truth that is greater than this realm in which we live, we're able to put everything else in perspective. We're able to actually walk in the Spirit and not be controlled, dominated by the natural senses, how we feel. I mean, how many of us are led by how we feel? We make decisions by whether we feel good or feel bad, feel happy, feel depressed. That's not being led by the Spirit. That's being dominated by your flesh. And how many of those that gets into a whole heap of trouble? Gets into a lot of trouble. Lord says, I've given you a power, I've made your spirit alive, and by the Holy Spirit, you can actually walk in truth, you can walk and live in freedom. So this morning, I want to speak about the fullness of the Holy Spirit, but I want us to understand that this expression, baptism with the Holy Spirit, it's not a Pentecostal expression. It's not a Pentecostal doctrine, okay? Baptized with the Holy Spirit, these are words that come from the very lips of Jesus himself. And it's for every single person who names the name of Jesus. He wants us to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And Paul actually says in Ephesians chapter 5 that this is to be ongoing. Now you may ask, why be baptized with the Holy Spirit? 
I believe myself that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a supernatural experience that is intended to make the miraculous a way of life. Now, that doesn't mean that everything always goes your way, as I said earlier. But what it does mean is that you become attuned to God's way. And you actually begin to be involved in things he wants you to be involved in and to not waste your time on things he doesn't want you to be about. That you're actually able to meet the Lord in the middle of a miracle from time to time. That he knows at any time, it could be once a day, it could be once a month, whatever the Holy Spirit feels. But when he needs you, he can call on you because there's an attuneness there in your spirit. Now, for that to happen, there must first come an introduction to that way of life. There's got to be something that happens. There's got to be a place that you can look at, a landmark to say, that's when I was introduced into the realm of the supernatural or the Holy Spirit. And I believe the baptism with the Holy Spirit is that introduction. Now, when we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, especially in Pentecostal circles, a lot of times people ask this question. They say, well, then, Pastor, why does it seem that we have to wait so long to be filled with the Holy Spirit? After we've come to know Christ, why do we have to wait so long to be baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit? And the answer is very simple. The answer is we don't. The frustration, though, for many of us is understanding how do we receive. That's really where the struggle is oftentimes. And in the story that we read about Jesus and Peter, it speaks to some of those principles that relate to how to receive the Holy Spirit's fullness. But what I want to do this morning is not only talk about the baptism with the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit's fullness, but as we do, understand that these principles also relate to how do we step out of the natural where we're so comfortable living, but oftentimes it's so fruitless. How do we actually step out of that and become more accustomed to stepping into the supernatural? And what exactly is the supernatural? Is it just this ethereal thing? The supernatural, in a nutshell, is just God doing things in a way that natural law can't explain. It's not hocus-pocus. It's not always goosebumps. It's not always weird, you know, kind of thing. It might be different because people are used to the natural, but it simply just defies natural laws. But we understand that God lives outside of those laws, and he made them so he can manipulate them as he wants to, to work his purposes. Now, in the scripture we read this morning, we see that Peter is about to share in a miracle. He is about to walk on water with Jesus. And the baptism with the Holy Spirit, in my opinion, is that same invitation. Jesus is saying this. He says, I want to invite you to step out. And I want to invite you to walk with me in the realm of the supernatural. I want to invite you to walk with me in the realm of the miraculous. Now, there's four principles I want us to keep in mind from Matthew 14. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit... If you want to be refilled with the Holy Spirit, or you simply want to step out into a realm where you say, Lord, you know, I'm kind of tired of just serving you with my natural senses. I'm kind of tired of just experiencing you in a cerebral way. I know that you've made me for more. I want the fullness of your life, and I want a full experience of all that you have for me. Now, these four principles are not complicated, but I really want to encourage you this morning. If you've never received the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or if it's been a long, long time since you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, can I encourage you this morning, don't just sit here and receive a teaching. Open your heart and receive the Holy Spirit. There's a big difference. That's my heart's desire for all of us this morning. Don't just leave and evaluate the message. Leave and ask yourself whether or not you opened your heart to the invitation this morning that the Lord has given to us. 
Four principles. The first one, very simply, is we need to obey the Lord. In verse 22, we read that immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. Jesus knew there was going to be a storm. Anybody agree? Probably knew it was coming. You know, he probably saw the clouds, you know. He knew there's a storm coming. So Jesus knows what he's getting the disciples into. He knows when he's saying, hey, get into the boat, guys. He's actually setting them up for something. But the reason Jesus wanted to get into the boat is because he wanted to involve them in something that was going to involve the miraculous. And so he makes them leave the security of the dry land and get out into those unpredictable waters. Friends, I believe with all my heart we're in a day where Jesus wants to do the same thing for us. He wants to move you and me into areas where we begin to share in miracles with him. I believe that. But in order for that to happen, something else has to happen first. He has to get us off the shore. We have to choose to get off of those areas in our life where we're comfortable and we're sure-footed and we've got it all figured out and we feel nice and safe and sound. We have to leave those areas and we've got to begin to obey the Lord and to launch out into areas where we're not sure about ourselves. If you really want to see the Lord move in and through your life, if you really want your faith to come alive, you've got to get outside of what you know in the natural senses. You've got to get outside of where you're confident in yourself. How many remember we had the uh, video here a few months ago of the, the last Reformation? Uh, Torben Sondergaard, member down the street ministry, and, and uh, just wonderful ministry taking place. Um, we're actually working on the possibility of him being here in Moncton. Uh, the end of the summer, maybe the first part of the fall, we have to confirm the dates. But the reason that we're doing that is we want to give you the opportunity to walk on water. Not too excited now, are you? <laughs> You're thinking, oh, I can't wait to hear somebody else's testimony. That's going to be exciting. No, this is an opportunity for every single one of us to say, Lord, I want to be stretched. You see, I believe with all my heart, I'm, I'm getting into tangents here, so maybe I'll, I'll cut my notes short toward the end not very good in the end anyway. Uh, I just put it there for time because I know you hate a short message. Nobody wants to go home early. Uh, and I can't remember what I was going to say now. Anybody remember what I was just talking about? Anyway. Um, so just keep that in mind. I can't remember what I was going to say. But just keep that in mind when that happens. Uh, plan to get involved. Say, Lord, oh, that's what I was going to say. I really do believe, and I could be wrong, this is my feeling, I really do believe that we are in a season, and it's, it's a very short season, it's shrinking, there's not a lot of time left. We're in a season of relative peace here still in North America. As far as practicing our faith, even economically, politically, all that kind of stuff, we're still in a season of, of somewhat calm. But if you have any kind of spiritual sensitivity at all, you can sense the storm winds. You can see the clouds on the horizon. And I really believe we're in a season where the Lord would say to us, I want you to begin of your own free will to step out from where you are and begin to experience the miraculous, begin to put yourself in a position where you need to trust me, where you actually have a living faith. Because I actually want to grow some roots in my people while the time is peaceful before the storm comes. Because when the storm comes, I want you to be strong enough. I want you to have experiences. I want you to know your God. I want you to be confident in your God. Know who he is and what he can do through you. I want you to be able to do that now. Because you see, when the storm comes, it's not about saving yourselves. You're saved. It's about not running to the hills, but sticking around and fighting the battle and helping the Lord save others who don't know him. That's what it's about. 
And if the people of God respond with the same fear and unbelief as those who don't know Christ, where's the message? You know, it's gone. Where's the power of the church? And so I really want to encourage us in a time, and friends, I've got to do it too. I've said this before, but there's times probably on almost a weekly basis where you just got to grab yourself by the scruff of the neck and give yourself a shake. You say, oh, oh, wait, 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 wait. I got to stop coasting. I got to dig in today. I got to have some time with the Lord today. I've got to get uncomfortable and step outside and, and have the Lord meet me in certain places because I want to be used by the Lord today, but I want to grow today just for the benefit of what the Lord wants to do, but also for the days that are coming ahead. You cannot grow an oak tree overnight. You can grow alder bushes. You can grow weeds. They come and go with the weather, but you cannot grow an oak tree. We need to be oak trees that can stand the storm and can be a shelter to those who are looking for shelter, and that doesn't happen overnight. Now's the time. So in any ways, we need to launch out to where we're not sure of ourselves. That's why Jesus calls us to wait until we receive the power of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus said, tarry in Jerusalem until you receive the Spirit, he's not saying you've got to work for it. And that's important for us to understand. Here's what he's saying. Do you want to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit? Do you want your faith to be alive to God? You've got to pull yourself away from the distractions. You've got to choose to pull yourself away, as we shared the other week, from this entertainment-addicted culture. You've got to choose to pull yourself away from that, and you've got to seek after Jesus until you meet him where he is. That's the only way you're going to receive. It's not because you've got to work. But it's like this glass. You know, you want me to fill, and yet you're so full already. Get the junk out. Listen to the Lord. Obey the things he's talking to you about. Get that glass empty. Come to him and say, now, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit, and he will fill you. Or, Lord, bring me into that realm, and he will do that with you. The disciples, I don't think, felt very comfortable that day when Jesus said to do what they had to do, but they did it. And I believe when it comes to being filled with the Holy Spirit, the first thing you've got to do is remember that it's Jesus who says to you, be filled with the Holy Spirit. What that means to me, number one, is that he never intended it to be optional. It's, it's not meant to be, hey, if you feel like it. No, hey, listen, you're going to follow me. You need the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. In fact, in the early church, what we see time and time again, when they came upon a group of believers who were not baptized with the Holy Spirit, they wasted no time ministering that right away. They just moved in and said, oh, okay, well, hey, don't go anywhere. Let's tarry until we receive the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus said to do. So obey the Lord. Number two, don't give in to fear. Look at verse 26. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. Isn't it amazing how close Jesus can be to us? And we're still scared. We're still afraid to step out. The disciples are in the midst of this life-threatening storm. Jesus draws close to them, and they panic, and they say, it's a ghost. I think the beautiful thing about this story is that not only is Jesus walking on the water, but Jesus has no intention during that incident of walking on the water by himself. I believe the Lord would have loved it if, if, if when he said, Peter, come walk in the water, if all the disciples would have pushed past Peter and said, oh, no, me too, me too. But they didn't do that, right? They're kind of like Adam looking at Eve take the apple. Let's just see what happens. If he sinks, we're safe. Ah, uh, let's say it. Well, why not? That's no big deal. Um, it's like that. When you begin to have a hunger for the Lord and these things we're talking about, I promise you, you're going to have people in the boat who are going to say you're nuts. 
you're fanatical, you're extreme, or don't get carried away, or, you know, the Bible doesn't respect, or Jesus doesn't respect this and this. And, yeah, we can get carried away sometimes. I think I wasn't, I wasn't around in early Pentecost, but I would say a lot of folks looked at our forefathers and said, you're getting carried away. <laughs> you know, you guys are kind of nuts. You know, the things they're experiencing in the Lord. So you're going to get that sometimes, but you know what? You're going to begin to experience the miraculous. You're going to be experience a living faith in whatever way that translates. It's going to come alive. Now, there are people who believe in church circles that miracles died with Jesus and the disciples. They happened in the New Testament. They don't happen today. Well, it's hard to read the Bible and, and believe that, but some people believe that. And I think it's because it makes us more comfortable if we can kind of make ourselves believe that. But the interesting thing is we have a lot of folks in the church today who don't mind standing on the shore, theologically speaking, and looking at Jesus and saying, man, could he ever walk on water? You know, I believe in Jesus, and I believe Jesus was the miracle worker, and I believe all the things I read in the Bible, Jesus could really master that walking on water stuff. But you know what the reality is? Here's what Jesus does. He says, I don't want you to be impressed that I walk on water. I want you to understand I'm walking toward you because I want you to step out and walk on water. I want you to meet me where I am, and I want us to walk together in some of these things that I have for you. And yet when the supernatural begins to get close to us, some of us worry that something strange is going to happen. You ever feel that way? I mean, if I really let myself go, if I really let the Lord have his way with me, you know, something weird is going to happen. I've heard people say, and I wasn't raised in Pentecost, so, but I've heard people say, you know, Pastor, I, I don't mind being filled with the Holy Spirit, but I don't understand this tongue stuff. You know what? To tell you the truth, I don't understand a whole lot of this walking on water stuff. And yet we'll find it easier to believe in walking on water or say, hey, I wouldn't mind trying that, but somehow we're afraid of tongues. I would suggest that if, that you kind of start with tongues and then grab it, you know, graduate toward walking on water. Like, I think it's kind of the easier of the two. But we have a way of kind of picking through the miracles of what we think is, you know, I can handle this, can't handle that. It's not about what you can or cannot handle, friends. It's about who you're trusting. Jesus said in, in Luke chapter 11, say, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, it will be opened to you. Now get this. For everyone, say that word, everyone, everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? If he asks him for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? If he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then be an evil, just being mortal, falling parents. How many parents here this morning be honest, honest enough to say, yeah, I've blown it sometimes? Right? I've got to raise my hand. My kids are here. I've blown it sometimes. And Jesus says, if that's the kind of people you are, how, how, know how to, and you know how to give good things to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father, who is perfect, Give the what? The Holy Spirit. That's what he's addressing to those who ask. Jesus promises, hear me, my friends. Jesus promises, if you will come to me and ask for the fullness of the Holy Spirit, whatever your experience maybe has been, whatever you've seen on TV or whatever anybody is telling you in your religious upbringing, if you ask Jesus for the baptism with the Holy Spirit, you're not going to get anything else. He's not going to surprise you. He's not going to freak you out. He says, if you ask for something to satisfy your hunger, he says, bread. 
He's not going to give you something that's going to break your teeth. He's not going to give you a stone. If you ask for a fish, the symbol of, of, of Christianity, he's not going to give you a serpent, the symbol of the devil. If you ask for an egg, the symbol of resurrection life, he's not going to give you a scorpion, the symbol of death. Jesus wants us to understand this very simple principle. If you ask him for something to satisfy your hunger, you know what? That's what you're going to get. If you ask for more intimacy with Jesus, that's what you're going to get. If you ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit, then... One more time. That's what you're going... Because you weren't sure. You're thinking there's a punchline here somewhere. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they will be filled. But you see, it goes back to that other principle we just talked about here, about giving into fear. It goes back to whether or not you really want what Jesus offers. It really goes back to whether or not you're content operating in your five natural senses because that's where you're comfortable, that's where your feet are on shore. In Newfoundland, they have an expression, they call the person a hang ashore. Newfoundland friends, you know what I'm saying, right? A hang ashore. It's a person who hangs around on the shoreline. Never goes out in the boat, never ventures out in the deep, never experiences all that's out there. They just hang around on the shoreline, and they probably go somewhere and tell all the stories that somebody else had. You know, so we have a choice. We can either stay in that realm, we can live there, be content, and be saved, if that's all we want. But the Lord says, if you will hunger and thirst for more, if you'll come to a place and say, Lord, I know that you're real, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, but Lord, I want it all. I want the fullness of your spirit. I, I want to be alive in that sixth sense. I want to be able to operate in the gifts of the spirit. I want you to use me in the way that you want to use me in those things. Then the Lord says, if you'll begin to hunger, pull away from all the distractions, pull away from all the things that satisfy you. Friends, hear me. Pull away from your theological bondage. I've said it many times here before, my friends. I am Pentecostal. I wasn't raised Pentecostal. I believe the Pentecostal doctrine. But I am not as concerned in being doctrinally correct as I am with being spiritually alive. There's a difference. And it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that I have no doctrine or it goes at the window. My doctrine is there. It's fixed. It's wonderful. I believe it. But then I say, Lord, come and bring the fire of your spirit to the doctrine so I'm actually living what I believe. I really have to cut the end here. Okay. Number three principle, look to Jesus. Verse 27, Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. I always thought that was a stupid thing to say. When I would read that years ago as a young person, because I kind of have this, I don't know, you know, people call it sarcasm. I call it wit. You know, uh, it's a gift. If you're not a witty person, you don't appreciate it. But I would read that so often as a younger person, I'm thinking, okay, I can picture if I wasn't Jesus. You know, I am a ghost walking on the water, and Peter says, if it's you, Lord, tell me to come. And I'm thinking, come on, Peter. That's just the sick way that I read scriptures sometimes. <laughs> but when you read the commentaries, the commentators are actually unanimous in that they say in the Greek language, the Greek word is I, E-I-I, which can be translated equally either if or since. And because Peter said, Lord, if it's you, what actually should be translated is, Lord, since it's you. Does that make sense? So it's not stretched. It's, it's translated in both English words. 
But it seems evident that Peter knew who he was talking to. And so Peter is saying, Lord, since it's you, I want to experience this miracle for myself. And hear me, friends, I don't believe it's a coincidence that the one guy who actually stepped out of that boat to walk on the water and take the chance to walk on the water with Jesus was the same guy who got the opportunity to preach by the power of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and saw 3,000 saved. I don't think that's a coincidence. Because if there's one thing about the nature of Peter, he just had this, yes, he stuck his foot in his mouth sometimes, but he had this boldness about him to say, Jesus, if that's you, then I want to come. If that's where you walk, that's where I want to walk. If that's what you can do, then that's what I want to do. And Jesus says, I love that kind of enthusiasm. Peter, you get it. That's what it's about. If I'm your master, I can do this. You can do it too. Now step out with me into that realm and let's move together. You know, when we baptize people in water, we typically just ask them to relax. We say, look, just relax. We're going to put you under the water, and we're going to bring you back up. And one of the reasons why I believe people can relax, well, it's twofold. Number one, we don't have any record, at least not evident, that we've drowned anybody. We don't keep those records. They don't ask for that on the you know, denominational form each year. How many did you baptize? How many did you drown? How many made it? We don't do that. But I haven't lost anybody. But they also, they're pretty confident that we are able to handle them under the water and back up if they just relax and trust us. Does that make sense? I want us to understand this morning, friends, when it comes to the Holy Spirit and what Jesus wants to do in our hearts, if you will just relax and trust Jesus, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He will. I believe one of the reasons why we get so knotted up and we, just, we, we miss out sometimes and it seems to take so long to receive the Lord's promise is we just get so distracted and so aware of you know, people around and, and just, we just, we just don't relax. I think Pastor Penny has said this probably many times over the years. I know I heard him say it once too, but you know, if you just worship Jesus, he will fill you with the Holy Spirit. In fact, there's been many times when I've prayed with people to receive the Holy Spirit. Some have, but many haven't at that moment. But when they've gone home, gone in the room, shut the door, kneel by their bed and just worship the Lord, in a few moments, there just comes to their mind this language. And as they open their mouth, it just begins to flow. They speak it, and there just comes, as Jesus said, the Holy Spirit like a river. And the purpose of that is just to bring you into a new dimension of understanding and of expectation. I want to get into great detail this morning, but if you're curious about what it is to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, or what is this whole thing about speaking in other tongues, there's a wonderful book by Dr. Jack Hayford, in fact, Many folks in our church have read it, and we've had, I think, those who've read it actually been filled by the Holy Spirit. Um, but uh, it's, we have available, in the foyer, we only got about 15 or 16 copies left. You're welcome to grab them. We're just selling them at cost. But you're welcome to grab one. It's just a beautiful teaching of the purpose and the beauty of spiritual language and an invitation at the end to receive. So I encourage you, if you want to go into more detail, you can, uh, you can do that. But again, I've just found that for so many, when you find yourself in a place where you can relax and you're not so aware of yourself, Oftentimes, the Lord is just able to have your attention and to fill with the Holy Spirit. And in fact, many times, you can have a wonderful sense of the Lord's presence all around you, the Holy Spirit, but you say, well, how come I'm not speaking in tongues? And a lot of times, because you, you, you even feel or sense or hear something in your spirit, but your, your mind is just too dominant to say, nah, it's just you, you're making up the words, whatever. And if you just be a child and say, okay, Lord, here it goes, I'm just going to speak what's on my mind, it might just be yabba dabba do. Now, I've never heard that before, Okay. But, you know, it could sound as silly as that. But it's, it's going to sound silly to your natural mind because it's a spiritual language. 
And anyways, it can begin to flow. Final principle here this morning. We need to believe the word and step out in faith. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down into the boat. He walked on the water and he came toward Jesus. I want us to understand this morning that Peter's actions were just a simple response to the Lord's invitation to come. And that's all he did. There's no mention in the Bible that Peter tested the waters. There's no mention that he, you know, shouted at a bunch of questions to Jesus first. Before I step out, here's five things I need to know. He didn't do that. He just got out of the boat and he walks on the water. He believes the word and then he steps out. Now, I don't know what you think the boat looked like back in day, that day, but they weren't in a little rowboat. They weren't in a dory. They weren't in a punt, wherever you're from, just all these different names. It wasn't a little rowboat thing. Archaeologists tell us that I mean, these were fishermen. These were rough seas that the boats would have stood at least six to eight feet above the water line. And so, you know, those were pretty high. So the point being that when Peter steps out of the boat, this is an all-or-nothing commitment. When Peter is stepping out of that boat, he's basically going over the side, hanging off, letting himself go. Can you imagine what it would have been like? You let yourself go, and it's like... No splash. It's good so far. <laughs> You know, you ever do that with the Lord? You know, you kind of start to obey the Lord in some areas. It's like, okay, nothing went wrong yet. Okay, Lord, nothing. You know, I'll go a bit further. It was an all or nothing commitment to the Lord. He had to abandon himself completely to the Lord. And I want to go back to that last point again very quickly. Friends, anything of the Lord, anything of the spirit realm, anything of the Holy Spirit, of the promises of Jesus, if you truly will hunger and thirst, if you will truly make it a priority to not just say, Jesus, yeah, I got all this stuff, don't want to let it go. Yeah, I'm busy and I got, you know, I got five minutes between commercials, whatever it may be. Yeah, if you want to, if it's your will, come fill me. No, you just say, Lord, I hope this, yeah, well. <laughs> that's what you need to say. And friends, that's why we tarry around the altar. That's why I believe in a Pentecostal church. That if you say, Lord, yes, I want, yes, amen, that's what I want, oh, it's 12 o'clock, got to go. We wait on the Lord. We tarry. Again, we're not earning, we're not striving. What are we doing? We're saying, Lord, as I'm worshiping you, I'm allowing you to come and just take out the garbage. I'm allowing you to come and dredge up my soul, get stuff out of me, empty me of myself that I might experience your fullness. Not just a little splash on the top that runs off with everything else still there. Lord, come and take all that stuff. I completely abandon myself to you, and I worship you. I crown you Lord of all, every king and man. Lord, let all those things be brought before you. Be Lord of my life. You just worship the Lord, and the Lord fills you with his Holy Spirit. And when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, I believe you will speak with another tongue, a beautiful tongue as scripture says. And I'm not saying that if you don't speak in tongues that you're not as good as another Christian. If you do speak in tongues, you're better than another Christian. It's not about that. In fact, although I believe the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that you will be able to speak in another tongue that the Lord gives us for many wonderful reasons. If you claim to be filled with the Holy Spirit today and speak in other tongues, just because you speak in tongues doesn't mean you're full of the Holy Spirit today. Does that make sense? Okay, it's not meant to, it's theological, okay? All I mean by that is that your initial experience being baptized with the Holy Spirit will evidence with the speaking in other tongues. But if that happened 20 years ago, and you can say, I can still speak in tongues, that's wonderful, but it doesn't mean that you're walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The Lord doesn't take the gift away, but it doesn't evidence that you're full. 
And why is it important to understand it? Because no matter who you are this morning, if you are dry, you need to be refilled. Do you hear me this morning? If you are a Christian and you're in a place where you have been living according to your five natural senses all the time, your own abilities, you need to be reintroduced to the supernatural. Or if you're no longer expectant in your faith, you need to be re-immersed in the miraculous, where Jesus lives, where Jesus walks, where Jesus operates. And it doesn't make you a weird person. It makes you useful for the Lord because he moves by his Holy Spirit through us. Now you say, does a person have to speak in tongues to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Let me answer it this way and I'm done. The person who does receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit also receives the privilege of being able to speak in tongues. Speaking in tongues simply is a tangible evidence that a door has been opened for you to step through into a new dimension of spiritual life. And the speaking in other tongues has many purposes, but one is worship. It will bring you into worship in a deeper dimension. It's, it's prayer, it's spiritual warfare, it's intercession, it's all these things in the realm of the Spirit that the Lord wants you to experience at a much deeper level. I'm going to ask the musicians to join me if they would. The Bible says that Peter stepped out of the boat and he walked on the water. He didn't just stand there, he actually walked. And you know what, friends? When you realize that it's Jesus who is calling you to, to receive this precious promise, you can actually step out from where you are and meet him in the middle of that miracle and not be afraid to, to take that leap of faith. And I want to encourage your friends to understand that you'll never regret what you've always known to experience something you never could have imagined. And it's not meant for a, an elite group within the body of Christ. It's not meant for Pentecostals. It's meant for Pentecostals and Baptists and Presbyterians and Catholics and Anglicans and every other person that names the name of Jesus. Jesus said to the church, this promise is for you. Jesus said everyone who believes will receive. Everyone needs the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You know, if Jesus were to physically walk into this room and stand before you, and you were to say to him, Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit, what do you think Jesus would do? What would he do? He would fill you. He would fill you. And he wants to do that this morning. You don't have to beg. You just have to ask one time, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Or Lord, refill me with your Holy Spirit. Or Lord, introduce me afresh into the realm of the supernatural. Introduce me afresh into the realm of the miraculous. I know what we think. I don't want to be flaky. Was Jesus flaky? Jesus lived and moved in the fullness of the Holy Spirit was given to him without measure, without limitation. There was nobody more heavenly minded and yet more earthly good than Jesus. Because his life was aligned to the Spirit of God. All the natural senses brought into place. He could hear the voice of God. He stepped out into realms where the miraculous was required. God met him there by the Spirit. Jesus said, all I do, I can only do by the power of God and by the power of the Spirit. God met him there, and the rest is history. And Jesus says, just as I've received, now I'm going to give it to you. Just as I've done, now I'm calling you to do. And I'm not just talking about what we think of, oh, you know, big miracle kind of stuff. I'm just talking about every single day as well, just being mindful of the Holy Spirit, the way you talk, the way you act, stepping out to pray with someone, to be, be used in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and to be used in the miraculous, whatever it may be. 
But how many without raising your hands would be honest to say, Pastor, you know what? I'm tired of living in the realm of the natural all the time. I'm tired of just having a cerebral faith. I want to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. Or I want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask the altar team to come if they would. And uh, we're going to make this real simple. Altar team, would you just come at this time? Feel free. Yeah, come on. God bless you. We have some people who are just going to stand along the front. And they're just going to pray with you. We're not going to grab your head. We're not going to throw you to the floor. We might throw you to the floor. No, we're not going to throw you to the floor. We're just going to agree with you. You just come and say, Lord, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Or whatever your heart desire may be, according to the word this morning. It may just be for a fresh touch. It may be for a miracle, whatever the case may be. I'm going to ask you to come and just stand in front of one of these folk. And if there isn't someone to stand, why don't you folks just come around so we can have more folks at this side. Lyle, maybe, and Becky, let me just come along here a little bit. Good. Come on this way, folks. And uh, if you can't find somebody there, that's fine. Just stand there as well. But I believe with all my heart, the Lord gives to those who seek. This is not manipulation. But I believe with all my heart, there is something about stepping out of the boat. There is something about stepping out of the pew that says, Lord, I'm being intentional. I'm being deliberate. I want what your word says. I'm coming. And I want to invite you to come this morning. If you can find someone, they're not going to spend a long time. They'll just pray for a moment. You continue to worship the Lord. You don't need them slobbering all over you, going on for, you know, hours. Don't worry about that. You don't need that. They're just going to pray for a moment with you, and they'll move on to somebody else. Don't you leave when somebody else is done praying with you. Just worship Jesus. not about the person. It's about the Lord. Just be in the presence of the Lord and worship the Lord, and allow the Lord Jesus to fill you, refresh you, refill you with the Spirit of God. Wash away the stuff. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's stand together where you are. If you need to slip out this morning, this is your dismissal. Feel free to slip out. Just let's have reverence for those who are here for the ministry this morning. You can slip out if you like, but you're welcome to come. Uh, to be prayed for. You can kneel at the pew if you want to by yourself. Stand by yourself and just meet with Jesus this morning. He will touch you this morning. Let's worship the Lord and allow him to fill us afresh. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your spirit, for your freedom, for your word. And I pray, Lord, that not one of us will leave this place without a greater hunger, O oh Lord, to step out of the natural senses and to move into the realm of the Spirit where there is joy and there is anointing. Lord, there is peace, there is victory, there is faith. There are wonderful stories and testimonies. Go with each one, I pray, this morning. May your word not be forgotten. Minister to us here. Minister to us at home by our bedside, I pray. May we receive a fresh fullness of your Spirit today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. Receive the Lord this morning.